I'm Ben Davies, and this is The Clear Money Mindset. Uh, one of them is, some, is that phishing attacks are kind of, they're, they're being sharpened. And, and so we, when they get a little bit more sharpened and a little bit more targeted, and that, that's kind of a spectrum, I think, right? Like, so yeah. they can get more and more targeted. They, you know, you can go all the way from these attacks where you just send like an email out to, you know, every person that has an email address and it's very vague and very like whatever, and you're just not going to catch very many people like that, right? Sure. The extreme opposite of that, we call that spear phishing. And so spear phishing is when you've got a point and you're aiming for an individual person, right? And you're trying to, you're trying to hook that person and you'll have a lot higher of a success rate with that. Welcome to the Clear Money Mindset, providing you with help and tips to manage your money in a clear and intentional way. I'm your host and financial advisor, Ben Davies. At Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals, we wanna provide you with meaningful tips to help you with your money. So much of your daily money management is now done online. It has made things incredibly easy, but has it made things safer? Well, to talk about that on today's podcast and the one following this, we're going to be looking at how you can keep your information safe in a digital world. No one wants to find out that they have 10 mortgages overseas when they go to buy a car. Our guest for this topic is Chris Martin. A very interesting guest. He is a staff software engineer at Mozilla Firefox. Chris has some very entertaining stories and examples of why you should care about your cybersecurity. We'll discuss what's going on in the internet safety world and some things you can do to keep your private information private. Before we get started, it's important to mention that though Chris works with Mozilla Firefox, the discussion we have on today's episode is simply Chris sharing his thoughts and opinions, and they do not necessarily reflect those of Mozilla Firefox. You're going to love this discussion. Finance is becoming increasingly digital. What would have scared people 10 years ago to do online is very commonplace today. Uh, Investments, home purchases, wills, banking, all can be done with the stroke of now a digital pen. And regardless of age, uh, we're all doing more and more important stuff online. But in the age of crypto, fintech, and all kinds of advances in technology, how do we make sure that we're the only ones with access to our online info? How can we keep our data safe on the information superhighway? Well, to help us walk through that and some cybersecurity tips, Uh, We have with us today Chris Martin. He is a staff software engineer at Mozilla Firefox. Uh, Thanks. Chris, (laughs) thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, No problem. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, I mean, I was intrigued at Firefox. (laughs) I've never known anyone who's uh, worked for an internet browser, so that's cool. But give us an (laughs) intro about yourself and obviously to be in the world of programming, software engineering, you have to love it. So yeah, you do, do uh, especially at uh, especially when you work for a company like Firefox, where it's this this global multinational corporation. You yep. know, uh, um, well, I say multinational corporation, but they're a multinational nonprofit because uh, uh, we develop Firefox, but we don't we don't we don't sell it. Right, it's free for everybody. We don't make any money off of it. So that's a little bit of like a different. Um, 
little bit of a different environment in that a lot of the people that I work with are like, they're very passionate about yeah. not just software, but about people and the internet and keeping the internet like a nice place, you know, like yep. trying to keep it, uh, let's say not a, you know, um, a heck hole, <laughs> I'll say, right, <laughs> which it can really be sometimes, right? And I think, I think, uh, a lot of us have seen that the, uh, the internet can be really, it can be really great and it can, it can bring out the best of humanity and it can be really uh, bad and it can bring out the worst in humanity. Right. Yeah. I know. Like I, I find myself telling my kids they have a hard time believing. I'm like, I, I was, I, I don't know exactly when the internet was invented, but I was certainly a kid when the internet was starting to actually be used by regular people and they have a hard time believing that. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's everywhere now, right? I mean, it's a, how did you get your start in the space and maybe just give us a bit of um, a bit of info on what exactly it is you do uh, so I guess I I, I started uh, I guess using the internet probably when I was a you know a, a, a teenager uh, probably around the same age as you I'm sure yeah. <laughs> when I started uh, and it just kind of started off I guess with a interest in uh, in programming I wanted to know you know how computers work and yep. uh, uh, that kind of led, I guess, to me discovering a lot of um, low-level details, I guess, about how computers work. And then that information can then kind of go down a path where once you know how computers work, you kind of can figure out how to break them a little bit. <laughs> and, um, and uh, uh, you know, in the modern world, we would, we would call that hacking, basically, right? I mean, yeah. I, I didn't, I, went, I wasn't exactly, you know... Um, uh, what you would call like a, you know, a notorious criminal or anything like that. But it was like, I was a, I was a kid who knew how to kind of make computers, how to bend computers a little bit to make them do the things that I wanted them sure, to do. Sure, right? yeah. Maybe, maybe things that they weren't designed to do by the, by the engineers that made, uh, the software that was running on them. Right. And so you're not where you're not the guy wearing the anonymous mask, but you do care about how they work. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I will, I'll never be the guy. wearing the anonymous <laughs> mask. Yeah. No, that's definitely not my style, but, uh, yeah. And you know, so you, you, when you realize these, these things, uh, they have names for, for kind of what I was now. Right. So they call that, they call what I was kind of when I was younger. Um, they call it kind of like gray hat hacking basically. Right. And, okay. and, it's called gray hat because they have these two terms, right? They call them white hat hacking and black hat hacking, right? Okay, so you're somewhere in between. And, and I'm like, I was like, I was neither of those things okay. really, right? So it was kind of like this blend in between. And so they, they call it gray hat, right? Um, and, so, and so like white hat hacking is, is kind of... Um, Actually, maybe it's better to start with black hat hacking so, sure. because like that, you know, white hat hacking is almost in contrast to that, right? So your black hat hackers are people who hack uh, with criminal intent, basically, right? So we're talking about the people who they, they, ha they steal people's information, they hack into websites, yeah. they, they, you know, they, they just generally are there to either make money or make a political statement or to, you know, some people, I guess, just, you know, like the Joker, want to watch the world burn sort of thing, <laughs> right? And, like, these are, these are going to be your black hats. Uh, and... A lot of them, um, well, I, and I'll get into this, but a lot of them are uh, organized and paid and are not exactly maybe the way that uh, you would imagine them, right? Um, and so, like, the contrast to that, I guess, are the white hat hackers, right? And so these are the people who get 
paid to hack to who get paid by the company that makes a piece of software yeah. to try and hack it and break into it so that they can protect the customers of their software and their software against sure. that hacking, right? And so, so they're fighting against. Yeah. So then Gray Hat is was, is kind of somebody who's a little bit like these are the people that are are neither of those things, right? So I wasn't one of the good guys or one of the bad guys. I was just like guy hacking for fun or just because it was interesting to me and like yep. this sort of thing. I wasn't really hurting anybody with it, and you know, if I discovered something that I thought maybe was not great you know I, I might report it to the people who made the software and i wasn't trying to make money off of it or anything it was just a a pride thing like hey you know i found this like bug in your software i hacked into it <laughs> fix this you know sort you of may right? want to have a look at that <laughs> yes exactly that's exactly. funny yeah. and so then you went through that obviously got into this as a profession and yes. finding yourself at firefox now what do you do there that uh, so at Firefox now, I'm in. Uh, I've got a. I wear a bunch of hats so <laughs> at, at, at uh, Firefox, but um, certainly one of them is that the team I'm on is in charge of um, something called code hardening. Okay. And um, what this means is that um, so let's just say you're you're using Firefox, right? Or I mean, obviously Chrome Edge as well, but yep. I'm specifically Firefox. You and let's say you mean to go to Google.com, right? And you typo, and instead you end up going to Goggle.com, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So you know that could accidentally happen. Um, and there's a good chance that if you go to Goggle.com. It might be it might be okay, or it might be owned by somebody who's basically set up, you know, uh, what we might call a um, a watering hole, and and what that means is that it's just kind of like an area where people are likely to accidentally or like Go on purpose to. kind of show up, yeah. and they're just waiting there to like hunt them while they're while they're they drinking water, got their head down. There. Yep, yep. <laughs> so uh, uh, and so they and so. Um, you've gone to that website now, so you've made the mistake, and oh man, that's unfortunate, but. Um, what happens at that point is kind of up to the people that make your web browser. Right. So that website is going to be running code now on your computer because you've gone there, which is you giving consent to your web browser to start downloading stuff from that website, right? Yep. Um, and that code that's running may or may not be malicious, right? And um, uh, we, our job at that point as your web browser is to say like, okay, so we now have this untrusted code running on your computer that has your precious photos of your family and all this stuff on it. Yeah. How do we make sure now that you, the act of you going to that website doesn't result in all of your personal information on your computer going to those people, right? Huh. Um, yeah, and and uh, the, the devil's in the details on that in a lot yeah, of yeah. ways, right? Uh, the modern, especially like, you know, back when you were saying like back in the 90s, right, um, it was a little bit more you went to a website and web, most websites were kind of just like static. It was like a bunch of text, maybe like a picture or two of some, some yeah. person on a boat, you know, whatever. And like, hey, my name is blah, blah. And, That's you know, right. this is my. Yeah, the old, <laughs> old simple version of a website. Yep. Absolutely. And so we, we even they, they call that now like retroactively the Web 1.0. Right. So. Because that's in contrast to the Web 2.0, which is these these apps that we all now have running on our computer. You go to Facebook, and it's like that's not just some static web page, right? You, right. It's got it, you know, updates dynamically. It talks to other people all over the yep. internet, yep. and everything on there is created by people that you may or may not be able to trust, right? Yeah. I mean, even if you trust Facebook, do you trust every person that's on Facebook, right? Likely not. <laughs> so, uh, so. 
in a lot of ways, you know, there's there's uh, the term that we use for it is kind of defense in depth, right? I mean, Facebook doesn't want you to get hacked, so they have a vested interest in making sure that if there are bad people on Facebook, that they're not able to upload viruses to the right. Facebook platform, right? Uh, and so that's kind of your line one of defense is that Facebook wants to defend themselves. But the kind of line two is, let's say that the Facebook engineers aren't perfect, basically. Uh, so now we, Mozilla Firefox, your, your web browser, now we got to make sure that we're doing our job too. So if they make a mistake, now they got to find a way to get through Firefox so that they can take over your computer, get all your info, this sort of thing. Right? Now that's got to be a dynamic job because I'm sure this all changes every five seconds, which kind of yeah. brings us to one of the things we wanted to talk to you about is... Yeah, <laughs> I think it would surprise people. Uh, it, it would definitely surprise me if we actually knew how much was really going on in uh, or on the Internet. Or I don't know what the best way to put that is behind <laughs> the scenes where we don't see it. So we want we don't want you to this might scare the snot out of all of our listeners. And, and that's absolutely and that's. that's that's not what I want, no. though, is to, like, scare people. This is, you know, um, uh, a wise old saying, right, is, like, be aware doesn't mean be afraid. It yeah. means be aware, right? And that's... that's so give us give us an idea. Like, what what's going on? What would you say is kind of the state of computer security, some of the stuff that's happening behind the scenes, maybe some stories that, uh, that would kind of let us know the kinds of things that are going on while... Um, the black hats are trying to to wreck us and the white hats are trying to defend us. <laughs> Absolutely, right? We got the uh, age-old battle, I guess, between good and evil here, don't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, I guess I would say that, you know, back, like back in the 90s, like a lot of people, when they think of a hacker, right, They, uh, I think a lot of people still have this idea that it's like kind of a lone wolf person who's maybe a little bit of a loner. Yep. They're sitting in their basement. They, they, you know, want to get rich. They hate, they hate the world. They, whatever, you know, they just, um, and that, and you know, it, a lot of hacking probably was that like back in the 1990s. Right. Sure. Um, but if you fast forward to, you know, kind of today, Hacking is almost uh, like 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 when I say a profession, I mean a profession in the sense that there are literally people who show up to work in like a suit and tie, mm -hmm. and they have a they have you know like a they have a team manager and they have lunches you know like they have company lunches and yeah, they yeah. and except instead of instead of you know like developing a product you know their their product is um, finding ways of scamming money out of other people basically right <laughs> and. Uh, they're they're highly organized. Um, uh, they get paid as much money, or sometimes more money, even than than people that are developing software, like just mm. software like myself do, right? Sure. Um, and uh, you know that in itself is is kind of it's a little bit it can be a little bit concerning, right? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, these people they they work for various um, organizations. Uh, some of them work for what what you know we would describe as a terrorist group, sure. basically. Okay. Uh, some of them work for government agencies, right? I mean, uh, basically, you know, whether you're talking about like the NSA in the United States or you're yep. talking about, you know, the Russia, you know, Russian intelligence or any of these Chinese intelligence, like all of these these actors, they all have nine to five people who show yeah, up to work every day. I act. think you heard that in the the beginning of the Ukraine story unfolding was I, I think one of the first things Russia did was... Uh, do a cyber attack on uh, Ukraine or so they say. Absolutely. So it's kind of bizarre to think. 
I mean, at the end of the day, I guess you want your country knowing how to tear everything down so they know how to make sure it doesn't. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so the the government themselves, they would they would be employing, you know, based on the description, I guess, that I gave earlier, they would be employing a mix of both black hat and white hat hackers, right? So the black hat people will be the ones that are targeting other countries, basically, right? And they would be, you know, in charge of the cyber attacks themselves, which, sure. which of course, those countries would consider to be crimes by their own, their right. own, their own you know, laws, right? Um, so and, they all sit at the same lunch table yeah, at break. Yes. <laughs> and then you've got the white hat hackers, and their job is to make sure that, you know, like the, the CRA employs white hat hackers, of course, right? Because they yeah. want to make sure that your, you know, your uh, tax, tax information is not going to get uh, compromised. Right? Sure. So. <laughs> so what are, actually, I'll ask you this for first, because I know in our conversations before, <laughs> there's a, you mentioned a contest that goes on oh yes, yes. where people are almost <laughs> essentially uh incentivized to try to break into software programs to reveal flaws tell us about that yes so um the the competition that we uh generally have for that it's called um pwn to own okay. which is pwn is kind of a you know it's an internet slang word or whatever yep. that from the word owned right yep. so, and uh um basically what it is uh is that um products like microsoft windows and office and firefox chrome edge um tesla uh participated in it um and what they do is is that they have bounties basically right and they and there are actually hackers who spend their time trying to find bugs that they can exploit inside of these different pieces of software right yeah and if they're able to find those bugs and demonstrate an attack that actually uses those exploits to you know gain information take over the person's computer and they they do all manner of things you know like whatever they take over the computer and just display a laughing skull or whatever it is yeah, on the computer yeah. whatever whatever cinematic thing they want to do <laughs> to make it to make it look cool right um and uh if they're able to do those things right then um they there's there's bounties for it right and um let me just uh, i don't have the numbers memorized so i will okay so as an example right um, if you manage to um, hack Firefox or Chrome, which means that some, all somebody does is go to the wrong website. So you went to goggle.com right. and they managed to get a, a virus running on your computer just, just from the very act of you going to the website, right? Huh. So that's worth 150 grand to them. And so you can, that's pretty cool. And so you can imagine like if they, if they were to pile up a couple of these, right. I mean, you money. could be making some serious money and imagine, and there's some, there's some folks who they, they come and they have, you know, three or four of these in a row every year. And you're like, all oh, right. So, I mean, how much money are these folks make like bringing so home is, with them? Right. So is I mean, the incentive, if I get this straight, the incentive is it's probably way less expensive for Google to pay you to try to break through their security than it is for you to take that flaw you found and essentially sell it to, I guess you'd say, people with ill intent <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to then expose other people. Because I would imagine if you created a, and again, I'm, I'm ignorant of this stuff, but if you created <laughs> a virus that did that, it would be worth money. So yep. better the software company pay you for it than you sell it and 
give them headaches. Yes. And uh, to some extent, we do we do count a little. So you're right in that certainly they could probably make more money in a lot of ways if they were to actually use the exploits that they discover, right? So we are to some extent counting on a combination of the fact that we have a reward for it. Yeah. Um, the fact that our thing is legal and the other thing that, and the other thing that they might do with it might end them up in jail. Right. So there's a little, so we're trying to have a stick and a carrot there. Sure. And, and let's be honest, a little bit of good old fashioned altruism too, uh, frankly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, th- I think I'll, there's a lot of people out there that don't like to see themselves as the bad guy. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, so uh, we are counting on that uh, to some extent. But if you y- can find a way to do what you love without going to jail, that's always a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, some of these some of these folks might be like, you know what? I've got a I've got a wife. I've got kids. You know, this is my this is what I want to do as a career. I'm talented at doing this, but I don't want to, I don't want to risk going to jail sure. for it. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to risk uh, becoming like a, a target of, you know, a company or uh, government or sure. you know, who knows what else. Right. So, so on top of <laughs> the contest, that kind of thing. So that's kind of cool that, to know that's going on. Cause it, it also tells us too, that like these companies that we trust a lot because regular people like Ben Davies have no idea what my web browser is doing to protect me. I just assume that they are. It's assuring to know that there's a lot of investment going into that. Um, what kind of, what kind of things are going on right now? Um, I don't know whether it's, uh, um, just, uh, like viruses or, um, initiatives (laughs) in the kind of cyber world to get our information and, uh, steal it from us and use it. Oh my, uh, yeah, there is, I, I mean, the the range on that, right, is just so very, uh, very, very large, right? I, I mean, uh, I think we're pretty much all familiar with what I'll call, uh, so phishing is probably one of the most basic, yeah. basic yeah. forms of, uh, of cyber, cyber attack, basically, right? I mean, it's ubiquitous to the point where we all just kind of shrug and accept it now yeah. because it is what it is, you know? You get a email that pretends to be from ups or pretends to be from the cra or pretends yeah. to be and they're like you know ups oh you know you owe us this much on a package and if uh you don't give it then we're gonna whatever let your package on fire or throw it in the garbage or whatever yep. it is right well now. i found out <laughs> through those types of emails that i have like great uncles and inheritances all over <laughs> the world that i had no idea south africa especially get <laughs> Isn't it weird? There's so many, I just, there's so many Nigerian princes out there. They yeah. just can't, you feel I, bad for them, right? I feel like if it starts <laughs> with dear sir, it's going into the, into the deleted folder. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, and in fact, almost what you, what you just said too, is almost kind of a, that that's kind of a almost one oh one um, way of recognizing like a fake email, right? As if they don't use any personal information about you in the email, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, an email from your bank would likely at least say, hi there, Ben Davies, right? Yes. And not like, hello there, B Davis at hotmail.com, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, so that's probably, you know, like that's almost like a uh, freebie tip right off the get go, right? Yep. Is that, you know, uh, um, a good way to identify a phishing email is just the fact that there's nothing in there that like is personal to you whatsoever, yep. right? And, that's something to look out for, but you know, um, so those, those phishing emails though, those are probably the, the most, they're kind of in your face and I think everybody's kind of onto it. Right. And I, I think that that's not, it works once in a while. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not really, I think where the majority of, of cyber attacks these days are coming from. Right. 
Um, I think now that um, there's a couple of there's a couple of real key areas I think that um, are being targeted now for cyber attacks. Uh, one of them is some is that phishing attacks are kind of they're they're being sharpened, and okay. and so we, when they get a little bit more sharpened and a little bit more targeted, and that that's kind of a spectrum I think right like so. Yeah. They can get more and more targeted. They, you know, you can go all the way from these attacks where you just send like an email out to, you know, every person that has an email address and it's very vague and very like whatever. And you're just not going to catch very many people like that. Right. Sure. The extreme opposite of that, we call that spear phishing. And so spear phishing is when you've got a point and you're aiming for an individual person. Right. And you're trying to you're trying to hook that person and you'll have a lot higher of a success rate with that. And um that kind of leads into this entire field of hacking, which is called social engineering. Okay. Uh, you familiar with that term at all? Heard of well, I've heard of the term. Okay. I don't it's, know it's, what it means in reference to hacking. Yes. Uh, it's, yeah. It, it's kind of a bit. It's kind of a little bit. Uh, there, it has uses like in other fields besides just computer security. Yep. But the basic idea behind it, right, is that you you take advantages and uh, advantage of kind of like bugs in like human psychology basically right when you're um when you're trying to exp- when you're trying to target someone um so there's all kinds of you know research out there that kind of shows that people kind of like intrinsically want to trust each other i know that, that kind of runs like sometimes a little bit counter to the yeah. way some of us might feel yeah. but you know implicitly people actually kind of are are more trusting of each other than than we like to think we are sometimes right yeah and so there's this idea that um, you know, people are, are receptive to like all kinds of visual cues and stuff like that. You know, you see, so, you see somebody wearing like a, a badge in a police uniform and your brain just takes all kinds of shortcuts and just assumes that the person you're dealing with is a police officer, Safe. right? Yeah. And, you know, that makes so sense. An, ID cor- an ID card hanging from uh, their pocket, you know, their, their band or whatever. And you just kind of assume that they're an employee at the place that they're standing in front of, right? Yeah. And so, you know, probably... One of the simplest forms of social engineering is uh, tailgating, basically, right? So this is this is when um, you have a badge in system to like get into a building, and somebody just kind of like follows you. It's like, oh, please <laughs> hold the smart. door, you know. Yes. Oftentimes they've got something like heavy in their hand, and you know they they want you to feel bad for them. So it's just like, oh, please hold the door for you know I can't I can't catch they... up. And then like, oh, thanks, man, I appreciate that. And now they're in this like secure zone that they shouldn't be in, basically, sure. right? And you know that is like hackers love that right because they don't have to they didn't have to write a single line of code they don't even have to know really like how to how to anything special how to use a computer right like that's a a purely social just taking advantage of bugs and humans right and and our systems how do you do that within (laughs) computer software like are you talking about authentication in some way like somebody gets into a website and you can tag along with them how does that work Yes, and, and so the the more successful uh, phishing attacks, right? So what they'll do is let let's say you know you you working here, right? So let's say that you know um, let's say that you know somebody goes and calls your front line your front lines basically, right? And they and they say uh, you know oh is your boss in? And they say and sh- and they, they might say oh you know Ben doesn't come in until nine, right? And so now it's like okay, so now that that's a piece of information they have about you, right? You don't arrive at the office until, until nine, nine, basically, yep. right? And so then they'll they'll call other people, and, and uh, I, I'll actually just relay a personal 
personal anecdote here because this happened to me while I worked at uh, uh, AMD, right? So AMD is a big global chip manufacturer, right? They make processors for computers. Uh, They're running and, a couple of our machines here yeah. right now. Yes, yes. So so thanks for your work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I, <laughs> if, you, if you're a PC gamer, actually, if you're a video gamer at all too, AMD, like all the, the AMD hardware is all like running inside of the Xbox and the PlayStation and stuff too. And that's that's like specifically the stuff that I worked on. So nice. I get to, you know, so yeah. you, every parent can thank you for uh... <laughs> ruining their kid's life. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened to you there? So uh, um, so this actually happened at AMD, and and it, it provides like a great example of how these this spear phishing stuff works, right? So they would just start calling into like AMD switchboard and just kind of dialing random extensions at first, right? And then what they would say is just things like. Um, you know, they would call in and just kind of say like, oh, is so-and-so there? And hoping that the person that was at the desk would say, oh, you've got the wrong desk. This is blah, blah's phone number basically, right? So, you know, I might pick up the phone and they'd be like, oh, you know, is Jerry Davis there? And I'd be like, oh, you've got the wrong number. This is Chris Martin's desk, basically. Jerry, uh, Jerry's extension is blah, 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 even if I'm if I'm feeling overly helpful, right? Because they might... So they, now he knows you and so Jerry. Now he know me, they know Jerry's, right? And so what, what'll happen is, is that then they'll call Jerry and they'll be like, oh, you know, I was just talking to Chris basically and, uh, uh, you know, this manager or whatever, uh, uh, you know, wanted this or they'll say, like, you know, there sometimes they'll even find ways of like sliding it. So it's like, oh, you know... Um, uh, is your manager still this person, basically? And then I'll be like, no, 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 my manager's name is blah, 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 right? <laughs> and so if you look, what these, and if you look on their side of it, it's like the person on the other side of that phone, they're often sitting in an office with, uh, you know, like a whiteboard or whatever, and they're drawing an org chart for AMD, really? right? And so it's like they got the names, and before you, and so before, and so they're, they're they're taking their time. They go and they know the director's name. They know you know the all the managers that are reporting to that director. They That's know. Unreal. And before you know it, like and oh, you'd be surprised the stuff that they can manage. They can get people to just give them right by so doing this. So then, what's this. the what's and the point? What are they after? Uh, so they they collect all this information because what they know is that once you start name dropping and once you start adding yeah. all these personal details and stuff, people are people. It relaxes people. Makes it much more likely to open up to believe the 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 story that they're being fed, right? Yep. And so once they finally go, they collect all this information, then it then it's time for the strike, basically, right? So what they'll often do is they'll wait until, you know, so at AMD, uh, they waited until a director went on vacation, basically, right? And that director was on vacation and they basically sent a email from his personal email address, right? Basically, oh, right? Okay. So they said like, oh, I can't use my AMD email right now. But, you know, I'm on vacation in Jamaica, which is, you know, like where he actually was. Sure. You know, I'm on vacation in Jamaica. And, you know, uh, I forgot to I forgot to, you know, send the documents for the big project sort of thing to, you know, Lindsay and to, you know, so <laughs> Lindsay them. and Teresa or whatever. Right. So could That's you funny. could you could you send them to me? Right. And, you know, I have to make sure that our I have to make sure that our CTO, you know, you know, it's it right sort of thing. And then before you know it. Right. It's like, OK, they went and they sent the document to him just thinking it was OK. Now he's got like confidential he's, info. He's got all this confidential info about these projects with the names of customers, like accounts and all kinds of other stuff. Right. And like it's just or so, or it, it could just be a they managed to get an IT person to reset his password and now they've got access to his computers and like these sorts of things. We right? had like, we had something like that happen where um, I got now it it was a little less sinister than that. But somebody was able to send an email and mask their name as the CEO. 
Yeah. Oh, it's, then, e- it's called email spoofing. And if you didn't, if you didn't kind of hover over the email till it like show, like hover over the name to till the email showed, you you would have thought it was them. And it was basically, hey, I'm in a meeting, and I forgot to buy gift cards for everybody here, and I intended to do that. Um, I need you to do that right now, and then just take a picture of the back and send them to me. And it's like, no, it actually started out. I really need your help. Um, and so for a minute, for this very same reason, one, you're thinking, wow, this, the CEO, the, out of all the people they thought of to get, go get gift cards, yeah. they, they asked me first. So that's weird, but you, you try to make it happen or that's what you think in your mind. And yes, you had to just kind of stop and slow down and be like, okay, one, this is kind of stupid because this just makes no sense at all. And then you slow down and look at the email and you're like, ah, this isn't the CEO at all. This is somebody trying to be who just wants a quick $25 gift card from Shoppers Drug Mart. I mean, good for you for yeah realizing that too, right? And I, I mean, and that probably kind of leads to another tip, right? Which is that like almost the uh, slow down and take a breather is almost like, I, I mean, it sounds basic, but you know, yeah, like uh, that that's one of the biggest uh, tricks that social engineers use, right. Is creating a false sense of urgency. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's much the same, you know, just like high pressure sales. I mean, they're kind of high pressure sales, but they're in the business of tricking you into getting, <laughs> your, personal getting your personal information. Right. And that, that, that classic, like create a false sense of urgency is. So would that fall under the, cause I know we hear this a lot, especially in this business, the ransomware idea, like somebody getting a hold of your computer. So is that in the phishing realm or is that uh, kind of on its own? Oftentimes, those attacks can use social engineering as a means to get into uh, in, onto the computer. So that in itself, like a, a ransomware attack, is 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 um, it would be defined as an attack, basically, and not so much as a as a hack, I guess, right? So okay. so hacking is almost like the it's almost like the uh, the act of using a flaw in a system to mount an attack, whereas the ransomware is the attack. Right? Okay. So so like by the time you've got ransomware. That already means that your system has has broken down, and now you're you're in a place where you you've you've been hacked, you've you've been attacked now, and you have to uh, handle it in a way that uh, works best for you, right? Yep. And unfortunately, um, I, I'd I'd love that there is often like a great answer for what to do about ransomware, but the the fact is is that you're once once the ransomware is already on your computer it comes down to the things that you did before the ransomware uh, entered your computer, right? Because um, all of your stuff is encrypted now, basically, right? And you can't access any of it. They stole all your files and they have all of that information. And basically they're, they're telling you, uh, you've got to give us this. And if you don't do it, then, you know, we're going to post it on the internet for everybody to see, or we're going to sell it to somebody or send it to your family, you know, send it to people you don't want it to be sent to (laughs) this type of thing. Right. Um, and, and so at that point, uh, how you handle it is really going to be an individual thing. And I can't, I don't have a prescription for that, unfortunately. So does this stuff, um, cause again, even if you're to go back 10 or 15 years, the big thing was, well, just get an antivirus program and, and you'll be fine. But it sounds like this has <laughs> yeah. kind of morphed into something a lot more. Uh, it's not just a random virus you're going to get. People are actually working to get you to voluntarily open the door for them. 
yes. on your way in to the building, so to speak, as you put it. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, the social engineering is, is where a lot of uh, hacking has gone, although that's not to say the good old fashioned good old fashioned uh, finding exploits in software and to, you know, like that's still alive and well and, sure. it, uh, and, and it's not going anywhere uh, anytime soon. Right. I even um, I, I kind of prepared, I guess, like maybe an example scenario to kind of explain, you know, um, how hacking works in, in that sense. Right. I guess um, like how, you know, so like hacking is kind of like the so there's this it's called it's basically called exploitation like exploit based hacking right and this is the idea and it's it's in contrast to social engineering so social engineering is like i'm using a bug in people to get what i want and like uh exploits are like i'm using a bug in a in a computer system okay. to get what i want right and so those two things they're kind of you know different different ways sometimes they're used in combination with each other sure. right I mean, a good example of this, um, of them being used in combination with each other is, um, they'll go into, they'll, they'll, once they get in, you know, through that door. So, you know, they managed to badge into, a, in, into, a, 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 a company or maybe not even badge in, maybe they just managed to get into the lobby and they'll go and they'll leave USB sticks all over the place, basically. Right. Hoping, huh. hoping basically that like the curiosity of like some somebody employee just will just in. be like, oh, you know, look, so I guess somebody left their USB stick, you know, by the flower pot or whatever. Like, you know, maybe I can figure out whose USB stick this is and return it to them or something, huh. right? And then once they go plug that USB stick into their computer, so that's the social engineering part of it. But then once they go plug that USB stick into the computer, there might be an exploit, a bug in the way that that USB works, right? Like the USB drivers that are on the computer, the software yeah. that controls USB sticks. Um, and then once it's plugged into the computer, that, that bug in the software allows them to then take the computer over, perhaps even spread the virus to every other computer that that computer is connected oh, to, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that, that's, the, that's kind of the gold, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the dream, I think, right? For like these, these hackers, right? Um, so probably a good example of that and one of the, like a, this was used um, in, in real life, right? Um, by a by a government on another government, <laughs> right? Uh, and so there's this um, so there's this hack out there. It was called Stuxnet. Uh, is the is the name of it, right? Okay. Okay. So Stuxnet um, was basically so this is um, neither have admitted to it, but basically security experts you know have uh, Monday night quarterback to this thing, and they they more or less recognize that this it, is the case, right? It happened. So the United States uh, NSA and okay. the uh, the Israeli uh, intelligence services, right? They got together and decided that they don't like that Iran is enriching uh, uranium, right? They're creating. Uh, they have these. So you know when you go dig uranium out of the ground, uh, it's not in a state where you can really like use it to make a nuclear weapon, basically, right? right? Or or even though really to like run a power plant sort of Canada in Canada you can but we, we have these can do reactors and they they actually can do it but uh, but for the most part you have to enrich uranium in order for you to be able to use it in a power plant right yeah. and and you have to enrich it even more if you want to use it in a weapon it has to be it has to be richer and richer and richer the faster that you want it to to give off energy okay. right so if you want it so you know it's like I, I don't know the exact percentages but I think that it's like if you want to use it in a nuclear power plant it has to be something like 20% enriched if you want it to be used in a weapon, it has to be like 80% enriched. So it's like, and basically it's a big difference. And so the way that they do that, that they enrich uranium, not, you know, not to bore 
people with the details of it, but basically they turn it into a gas, they put it in this thing called a, spent- a centrifuge and it spins real fast. And the idea is, is that the heavier uranium will kind of fly out to the, to the ends of the cylinder okay. and the lighter stuff, the really explosive stuff will kind of stay in the middle. And then they suck out the, like from the middle, they kind of draw out the middle of it. And now huh. you've got this uranium that's a much, much more explosive than the uranium that went in. Um, and <laughs> yes, so and, and we're talking these things spin fast. We're talking sixty thousand RPMs is how wow. fast these cylinders are spinning around, right? So that's over a thousand times a second. That's right. <laughs> so like these things are like we're, we say they're tired of spinning fast. They're spinning fast, right? And so what uh, what Stuxnet did basically, right, was that. Um, so those computers, you know, the Iranian government—they're not—they're not stupid. They know not to connect those computers to the internet, right? right. <laughs> you know, Don't not... <laughs> post your reports on Facebook. Hey, we were able to get eighty percent enriched uranium today. What's the great day at the office? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. So, so those computers are not connected to the internet because yes. they—they know that the the security there's there is no there is no internet security high enough for for that, for that right? And so. They're not playing around, and so they, those computers are. We the term they use for it in security is air gapped. Okay. Okay. So they're basically they're, they ne- they never connect to a network, and they never connect to a computer that connects to a network, right? Uh, so, um, how do you target a computer like that? Right? Is the, you know the question that the Iranian or the the uh, Israeli and U.S. government are asking themselves here, right? <laughs> and so so what they did is is they identified five companies um, that they they um they provide software and hardware to control those uh those uh centrifuges basically right and so so they went and they made a virus a completely silent virus that spreads from computer to computer and generally doesn't almost ever do anything else all it does is spread and sit and wait right and um, it spreads and it sits and it waits once it gets on the computer until somebody plugs a USB stick into it, basically, right? And as it turns out, when they need to program those centrifuge computers, they have to, because they're air-gapped, the updates come via USB stick, uh... right? And so they, they said, let's, let's make this virus so that it doesn't do anything for the most part. It just sits and waits, doesn't, so, silently. So that's everybody, cool. before you know it. I, I guess I don't know if that's cool or not, but it's <laughs> intriguing. <laughs> so before you know it, every, like every computer at these five companies has this virus on it, basically, right? And it just sits and waits on their computer until the day that one of them goes and builds the builds the update and plugs the usb stick in to go transfer it over to the centrifuge control computers basically right and so then it copies itself very silently again to the usb stick hiding its presence the entire time from from virus scanners from windows from the people that are using the computers and now it's on this usb stick right so then unknowingly of course they go they plug it into the centrifuge control computer right sure so the the worm basically what it was programmed to do is to do absolutely nothing unless it senses that it's on a computer that has a Siemens PLC attached to it that's controlling a motor, and the motor just happens to be programmed to rotate at about a 1,000 rotations a second. So that's what the virus does. And if it's not on that computer, it does nothing but stay silent and spread. So then that would essentially... So what does it do after that? Like, does it just control the so RPMs so they it, can't enrich it as it, much? It ever, what it does is it ever so subtly, for 15 minutes a day, increases the speed by about 40%. So changes it from about 1,000 rotations a second to about 1,400 rotations a second, basically, right? And then 
after that 15 minutes, it waits a little, it goes back to normal speed for a little while. So hope, you know, uh, the entire time, of course, the virus, um, it makes sure that the computers are still reporting that everything's normal, right? So if you, if you're a operator and you're looking at the computer, it still claims to be rotating at a thousand rotations a second, basically, even though it's actually doing 1400, right? So, so you want to notice, and then, and then it waits a little while, you know, time goes by and then basically it slows it down to like only 10 rotations a second quickly. Right. And then, then it speeds back up to normal. And then what, what happens is, is that that sudden, that sudden speed up, followed by the slowing down destabilizes the uh the the centrifuge and then what happens is is that uh it starts wobbling and then and then it eventually grinds down its ball bearings and it uh it just breaks it stops <laughs> centrifuging basically right <laughs> so it can no longer function because i mean if you can imagine something that's rotating at a thousand rotations a second that's a sensitive piece of equipment yeah, right yeah. i mean that's that's you know a, a tiny error is like amplifies very quickly into a big one when you're dealing with that kind of speed and so so then uh basically they managed to destroy 20 percent they they claim of the centrifuges that were uh, that were enriching uranium in iran <laughs> with this thing basically right and of course you know all all agencies involved deny any sort of because this is sure. a you know right i mean uh they know they only know this from watching you know video footage basically of people you know carrying these destroyed centrifuges out of the enrichment facility you know um <laughs> But yeah, and so so and this is the and so a lot of um a lot of people consider that to be the world's first digital weapon basically, mm. right? Because there's a lot of a lot of viruses and malware and stuff like that. They they target things like bank accounts and other and you know personal information and stuff, other kind of like digital assets like soft soft assets, right? But this is the first like time where they actually destroyed basically military equipment, right? Like they yeah. destroyed military equipment using a computer instead of using a missile or a bomb or, you know, something like that. So they consider this to be like a digital weapon. Right? Which in some ways you're like, well, that's kind of cool in the sense that nobody got killed. Yes. But then somebody's going to get mad when all their centrifuges break. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, right? So, so all of this is going on behind the scenes and I, I mean you can tell like this is you know it illustrates i think how advanced sure this stuff is right and how we're not talking about one or two people you know like working in mom's basement sort of thing right like this was a this was a coordinated effort of experts in their field who yeah. were able to take advantage of of exploits that they could have sold on the black market for millions of dollars and instead used it for this purpose right, right. and so to, to give you a sense of the scale that some of this stuff is operating at. And that was 10 years ago, right? So like now, what wow. do you think? You know, that was 10 years ago. So, I mean, how do you think things have escalated since then? Thanks for listening to The Clear Money Mindset. We at Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals are here to help you thrive with your finances. You can find us online at daviesfinancial.ca. For help with your personal finances, you can email us at office at daviesfinancial.ca. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Sterling Mutuals, Inc. Mutual funds provided through Sterling Mutuals, Inc. Commissions, trailer commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the simplified prospectus before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.